Game Boys. Uh, all right. <laughs> News, politics, gaming. Welcome back to Real Time with Game Boys. Wow, what a what a beautiful audience. What a beautiful beautiful audience we have here tonight. Hey, wow, it's good to be here. Good to be on stage. Uh, <laughs> how's everybody doing tonight? Uh, I, of course, I'm joined. Uh, I'm joined uh, tonight. We have, um, you know, uh, New York Times bestselling author Forrest on the show, uh, writer of The Princess Peach Question. Uh, and we're going to be getting into that later. Uh, but of course, I'm joined by joined by my very late uh, co-host, uh, Lux. And, you know, you almost lost it, Lux. I almost I almost gave it away to someone else. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I was late, like uh, the kind of abortions the Democrats like. If you know oh. what I mean. Hello. So, listen, Lux, we got a, an incredible show tonight. I mean, we got so much stuff happening in the world, so much uh, gaming related events, but so much stuff happening. I mean, we got AOC and Ilhan Omar. Uh, pretending to get handcuffed uh, at the Capitol. Boy, that's not the first time I've wanted to pretend to handcuff uh, someone. Wow. Thank you, uh, almost, oh. you almost landed that plane, huh? <laughs> you put that one down uh, in a field in Pennsylvania, huh? Um, it's on the ground. Shot down in a field over Pennsylvania. So one thing about that, it is silly the way they're doing it. But one thing that's funny is, like, I've been arrested at protests before, and cops do ask you to put your hands behind your back. Like, they do ask you to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, they do. Mm -hmm. So it does seem like some of these critiques are from people who, like, don't do shit. Like, the fact that then they wave kind of makes the whole thing unserious, like, still. <laughs> like, it's still uh, kind for of silly. Forrest do, you, do you, Forrest, do you have any monologue jokes about that? Uh, are we gonna play in the the, the monologue space, or are we just actually talking about it now? As if you I'm, can, con if you can condense every thought into a, a monologue style <laughs> joke, that would help. But it's listen, maybe you find a new way to do a monologue. Cool, cool. Uh, well, let me say that uh, politics in America is a joke. Am I right, people? Am I right? Then uh, play the music. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty performative, but it's kind of it's a pretty large part of national politics, actually. And I'm not saying to be like, oh, it sucks in national politics to so performative, but like, it's just kind of how it partially is. I don't know. It's definitely antics, but I don't get particularly bothered by antics, I guess. Yeah, you know, you know who's more uh, popular than any of these uh, any of these damn politicians is Dua Lipa, and she loves to perform. Am I right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gave you a half. I gave you a half beat on yeah, that you one. Barely, I, I, I the bare minimum amount of music one could get. I gave. I gave you the the whiplash director. Like ha, not not my tempo. Half step. <laughs> uh, uh, Forrest, what what else is happening in the news? I mean, hey, we got we got we got uh, Joe Manchin over here. Take my Joe Manchin, please. <laughs> Hey, folks, <laughs> have you checked your Joe Manchin? Because he's running. <laughs> Man, this is the best politics podcast out there. Is your Joe Manchin running? Because you better go catch it. 
because you better shoot it in the head. Yeah, Joe Manchin's <laughs> running. Let's let him go. Chase him into the ocean. The, the Obama, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, the Obiden administration hey, uh, did like the world's shortest test balloon on declaring a climate emergency today. Like around like one ish, there was a thing that was like they're thinking about declaring climate emergency, and then by like two, they were like they're not going to do that. Like it was the, like cool. the least fucking effective test balloon of all time. They said the balloon got stuck near the AC vent and just kind of swirled around there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it got caught in an updraft and floated into space. I mean, this is really the sort of legislative edging we've come to expect from the Biden administration. Yeah, but this was less like edging and more sort of like, uh, they just sort of left. Like it wasn't like they edged someone to completion. It was like they started and they're like, oh, I got to take this call. And then That's they the got in their about- car and drove home. Lux. That's the thing about edging Lux. You don't take him to completion. No, you do eventually. You don't. That's right. No, 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 not no, necessarily. No, no, no. That, you get a second guy in, and <laughs> yeah. they come in to finish the job. Yeah, it's Edging, it's a union just, thing. It's ed- like lights. Yeah, like you, I can't touch the lights. <laughs> I can touch the camera. It's like this when they're when they're edging. They're like, look, if you want if you want to be edged to completion, you have to vote in November. Right. Hit the music. Uh, oh, wait, oh no, I'm behind. <laughs> Wow, so we've got an incredible show this evening, Uh, and that was our monologue section. Uh, Folks, welcome back to HBO's Real Time with the Game Boys. I am Griffin, joined by Lux, and of course, our wonderful New York Times bestselling author, (laughs) Forrest, is back on the show. Um, Hard to know where to begin, state of the world, state of games, state of the internet, uh, or just uh, what's been going on with you, Forrest? Is there anyone that's been canceling you? Uh, have you been trying to uh, go to any college campuses and been rebuffed? <laughs> uh, any kind of grievance or, uh, or you know, even whiny complaint we'll take. Oh, more like state of Texas. You know what I'm saying? We got all these snowflakes because it's cold. Climate change isn't real. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm distracted by trying to promote my new book, uh, What is a Toadstool? Yes. That's what is a toadstool. Toad apostrophe <laughs> S space T-O-O-L. Yeah, it's, a little, mm. it's, it's kind of a pun about the Mushroom Kingdom and the, the inherent uh, like contradictions inside of Peach and Mario's uh, new like ideological uh, left fascist regime they've installed. Right. And, and, and for simply saying that and screaming at people in the parking lot, you're not allowed <laughs> on several college campuses now. Yeah, University of Texas won't let me go there anymore, which is too bad because, uh, you know, they have the best food court in uh, the university system. So I'm really going to miss that one. But welcome with open arms at the University of Austin. (laughs) Yes, such as which is for sure a real place. I went to the building. They have a classroom. And one and one is all you need, ladies and gentlemen. You just need the one. That's university Uh, law. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Steven Crowder, and this has changed my behind. I've shit my pants. <laughs> He's really good at that, though. I mean, I went down there, I said hi to him, we had lunch, and he did this like he did this make kind of a face after we finished our Wendy's and like grunted <laughs> a little bit, and then some handler came by and like what, took him into the bathroom. It was a whole thing. Seemed very efficient. Like Lux, have you ever gotten to change Steven Crowder's mind? Uh, 
yeah, actually, there was that time we did this the fucking Starship Troopers video, and Steven Crowder went fucking nuts. <laughs> what it should be is he should really commit to the premise more, and like actually, his mind should be changed at every idea. So he's just this, this you know, this this writhing mass of conflicting well, ideas. You can't do that because that's Joe Rogan's corner. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, that's the real change <laughs> my mind. That's the real, yeah, change my, yeah, my yeah, brain pattern. That's true. Yeah. Joe, Rogan is, Joe Rogan is like, I met someone new and all of my ideas are different now. My yeah. whole worldview has shifted because like some guy told me about the hippocampus. Yeah, Joe Rogan's no, worldview was literally the thing he most recently heard. <laughs> well, Joe Rogan's hippocampus is exposed. You can poke it. Like, that's why that's why the show's so good. Yeah, there's yeah, like a slot in the bottom of his mouth that goes all the way up into his brain. Oh, is that where it is? Because I was thinking yeah. more back yeah, of the head, the more Matrix thing, style. The, the big, thick kind of like Cro-Magnon top of his head is actually a helmet, a flesh-colored helmet to cover <laughs> up his like, huge slots of exposed brain. Yeah, when he pulls yeah. it off, it makes like a slurping sound. Little, little, little strings yeah. of like icker. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Darth Vader had appropriate sound effects. Oh, oh that would really improve Star Wars, in my opinion. Just a lot of squelches and squicks. <laughs> like, sorry, dude, your brain is really loud right now. <laughs> um, As it turns out, though, I, I will have a take on this episode that will be cancel adjacent. And that's a preview for you. I'm going to have some heat for you. That's exciting. Um, let's get there now so people don't listen to the rest of the show. Or is there a way for us to have the take come in a way where they can clip it out for the maximum, like, contextless moment? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they'll be able to. You can do it if, with anything. Also, if there's one thing that we've gotten good at since we added the soundtrack to the show, it's removing the idea of context from the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you have to give me like uh, a sound bed of like the, uh, the 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 nuance of this take during the, during the, while the take is playing to, to prevent it from being clipped. I guess I'm gonna f- <laughs> I'm gonna find the perfect uh, copyrighted song to play underneath it so that people can't <laughs> post it because it's gonna be like you're gonna be like here's the thing about the Jews and it'll be like can you hear the airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? Man, I saw a post today that was so funny. It was this person complaining about about Star Wars in a way that made sense where it was like describing a Star Wars plot in a way that was like rehashing old Star Wars movies. Except they had this like other complaint, which was that for some reason in their fake Star Wars movie they're mad at, the main character was Jewish. They're like, and then the Jewish guy gets a lightsaber and he has to fight Yoda's grandson to stop the Sith from taking over. And then the Jewish guy hugs the guy from Fallen Order and the audience goes crazy. And it was just like... (laughs) This is like almost a good post, but why did you make him Jewish? Yeah, define Jewish in that context. Yeah, it was very, I was very confused by this thing that I found. <laughs> Maybe we can have that guy on because we don't want to, <laughs> we want to hear all sides of this, of the Jedi debate. <laughs> Both sides of the are Jewish people in Star Wars debate. The, the Judai right. debate. Has there been one? Has there been a clear character? Um, I, mm, Oh no! I was thinking um, Admiral Ackbar, I mean, but he's not a Jedi. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say too, but I don't know. I did. He did. I mean, uh, hmm. Because I know that we have. I mean, we obviously have the 
episode one aliens, but and I feel like the prequels are even more like racially charged in terms of aliens <laughs> than like the originals. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. Force, I've talked about this particular thing a lot uh, that like in the in the Clone Wars cartoon, they go really far out of their way to be like, not all the Watto people are like Watto. <laughs> We're not saying that the space Jews are like that. And they go like really far out of their way to do that. But then in like season four or five, they introduced the banking clan, which is just human looking guys <laughs> with huge noses. And it's like, well, you really just undid all that work you were doing to un-racist Watto guys. Yeah, really notable work from George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, really bizarre that no one was like, Huh, we've un, we've made it so that Watto guys aren't anti-Semitic anymore, but we need to bring the anti now the anti-Semitism is too low. We gotta crank get those numbers back up, baby. I I like some guy who's like really mad that the banking clan has not been in the the, the movie installments, and they're like, this is the one. This next one. <laughs> when, finally, the banking clan. Where's the representation for the banking clan? It's got a great name, but you know, I don't know. Uh, you just like if if you ever have banking related characters, they just have to be fully robed and cloaked and like have no human attributes. Right. Yeah, that's the best yeah. way to do it. I mean, I think what they're trying to go for is kind of a like business guy or something, but they really missed the mark on that one. They yeah. didn't have like a guys in like a suit. Like specifically a suit or something if they want to be like, this is a corporate stooge. Yeah, they're with like fancy detached corporate aristocrats and instead they got tall Jewish people. <laughs> oh, which is, you know, they're not to say that there's zero overlap on that Venn diagram, but I wouldn't call that one to one. Yeah, that basketball player just got a uh, Jewish married. No, he was at a Jewish wedding, but boy, was he at it. he was at it yeah Yeah. that was great that was so it's possible the the best social media post all week baby um so let's get to it folks we're talking about the resident evil tv show um and it's just recently on netflix it's actually netflix's number one show right now so we all decided to you know open up the hood and uh see what we got here and how are we all feeling about this uh, Forrest, you're the guest. Why don't you start us off, baby? So, so I watched the entire series. Very nice. Uh, and let me tell you about this series. It's weird and it's very ambitious. And I think it's pretty obviously the best Resident Evil adaptation that's been made in terms of just like, you know, storytelling qua storytelling, right? Like as a standalone sure. piece of media. It is. It's just. It's a show, and it's like okay. It's. I don't think it's amazing, but it's pretty good, and it's trying to do some interesting stuff. Uh, it is not. I mean, the bar is very low. Let me put that forward. Like the bar for the best Resident Evil adaptation is like unbelievably low. Uh, the 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 the. This the, is your cancelable take right here. Yeah. Unfor- no, no, it's not because I really love the, the Resident Evil movies, all of them, even the CGI ones. I enjoy them because Resident Evil is a really fun and fascinating franchise uh the live action movies are god awful but they're some of my favorite movies to watch because paul anderson just like doesn't believe in storytelling in the way that other humans do uh the cgi movies are fun because they were made during the period of time when capcom was like 
let's make Resident Evil a like Gears of War slash Call of Duty franchise. And so they're just really weird and stupid uh, and very much about the things Resident Evil tries to be about, which I am going to go into at length unless you stop me. Uh, so they're just kind of like fun and dumb. This one's actually yeah. trying to be like a real thing. And it's right. I think it's, it's like fairly B successful. movies. They're like B movies and fun B movies. But they were always yeah. sort of dissonant because they had sort of similar proper nouns to the games, but like never attempted to like be related to the games at all in this yeah. like kind of bizarre way that was like, oh, don't you're not using like any of the juice that people have connected to. Um, and it's almost kind of like its own been its own thing for a while. And now this version still feels like it has absolutely nothing to do with the games. So uh, how far have you all watched into the series? I've, I've watched the first two. I finished it a couple, like an hour and a half ago. Uh, so the Hell thing yeah. about this, which like Lux, can, an hour ago. Lux can confirm this, it turns out that this is not an alternate reality or whatever. It's not like a new continuity like the movies were or like Welcome to Raccoon City, the not worth mentioning movie was. This is a direct Mm -hmm. sequel to the games. It is a direct sequel. It is not a new imagining. All the things that happened in Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and I probably even 6, 7, and 8 that didn't really really cover that. Like It all is canon to this show. All of that stuff. How do they... Okay, I'm very curious to see (laughs) how they even make that apparent. Um, But, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I guess my big complaint is it's like, damn, they've been holding off the cool shit for me. It's like very slow burn. And I do think the show thinks it's like telling a more interesting story than it is. And like sometimes it makes me like sit in these like dramatic moments that are like they're like B scenes. Um, And so I'm like, get get to some more cool shit, please. I I liked most of the show, but I will say this about it. Uh, It gets to like, I guess, episode seven with sort of enough juice me to be like. Hell yeah. We got an hour and a half left for some really cool stuff to go down and wrap this bad boy up. And then it just goes kind of insane in, in ways both <laughs> good and bad. Like it it does not successfully land a lot of like the emotional stuff it's trying to do. It busts out some very weird sci-fi, some of which works and some of which is fully inexplicable. Um, <laughs> and like it gets like. Like, one thing, you you mentioned, like, using the characters. Like, Forrest and I talked about this before, that, like, the way they use Wesker doesn't really make any sense with the Wesker character from the games. But then for, like, 20 minutes in Episode <laughs> 7, it does make sense. But then they, like, switch that flip. They flip that switch off again. Or, like, never mind. It doesn't actually anymore. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> the bizarre. The weird. It gets so strange. And I love that. But, like, yeah, it's... There's stuff in it that is, like, super not what I would expect from the show that I liked, and then ways that they... It it has this problem that is actually a big Netflix problem, which is that, like, it'll introduce a premise where I'm like, ooh, mama, let's see where this goes, and then where it goes is the least interesting way possible. Well, it's Netflix. Yeah, it's, like, it's very Netflix (laughs) in that particular way. Yeah, it's so Netflix, and they'll be like, what if a thing happens mostly... And it kind of like this stuff doesn't really kind of all the way happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, I mean, I want to talk more generally. I think it's easier to talk about the beginning of the show more generally than like specifics. The end Um, is like they kind of split the story, at least the beginning into these two timelines. Oh, it's not just Uh, the beginning, buddy. It's the whole way through. Permanent. Right. Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm trying to help the listeners no, no, right and, now. And you're helping. You little fucks that want to talk about the finale in ways they have no idea about. We're just giving um, some context clues. We also let them know that they you, can expect it to keep happening. So you're right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's two timelines, one before the breakout. Uh, with these two daughters of Lance Reddick who live in this like company town for uh, Umbrella Corps. Um, and then there's the like present timeline in the like post-apocalypse zombie world where one of the girls has like grown up. And I guess my initial take from the first two episodes is it feels like the past timeline and the present are like two completely separate directors. The performances, the cinematography are dog shit in the future apocalypse. <laughs> the, the, the like the lead actress, the show opens on a tight on her face talking to like her husband on a call. And it is one of the worst performances I've seen on TV in a really long time. Uh, and then you'll cut back to like the kids and Lance Reddick and you'll get like a well-performed, well-shot, well-executed dramatic scene. Then you cut back to the future and it's these awful shots the bad guys show up some fat guy with a beard's like it's like oh man like the 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 quality level is so different between the timelines yeah the show kind of thinks that like in one timeline they don't have giant zombie fights and a huge blood budget so they have to do a tv show and then in the other timeline they're like well we have zombie budget and blood everywhere so no need for a TV show well, here or a competent it, anything. It's what, just right. really incompetent. What it feels like is that they're kind of aping a style of the like the live action movies for the, the future timeline part, which the two timelines are 2022 and 2034. So the pres our present is their past and their past is our present. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's it's easily weird and jarring and it's the worst part of the show. And it feels to me like they're like. It feels like they were making this show that is the like the the 2022 stuff like it's the show they were making and they were like we gotta put some fucking zombies in here we need to have people fighting zombies and you know a, m- huge monsters and liquors or whatever the hell like we need we need this stuff so you gotta we should do this other timeline in the future where like everything is all sh- shitted up and there's zombies everywhere and we can do all this stuff. And like, I don't know, I don't think they really needed to, honestly, like they definitely tried to do a lot with like narrative and like thematic mirroring and like converging and diverging of the two different storylines and the two different like sections. But it's just so distracting to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be done. It's just like you have to make me care about the present timeline if, if the past one is going to be effective. Um, and so because I don't care about the present apocalypse one. It just it does. It's just the two timelines thing isn't working for me. Yeah, um, and it, it especially doesn't work for me, at least in that, like a big part of what they're trying to do with the, the future slash present timeline is like be sort of um, kind of playing this base of like, is Jade the main character? Like, is her motivation selfish? Is it maybe bad that she's doing these things? Except the things she's doing are, like, trying to preserve humanity. And it's always, like, framed in this way where it's like, you just want to help your family and the people you care about. And it's like, right, but also, like, every other living person benefits from this. So it doesn't really feel as ambiguous as you want it to. Oh, I, I have a lot to say about that. Do you want to hear my thoughts about that situation? Sure. All right. So this is this is a deal with... That they're clearly they're doing a parallel between like that and her dad, Albert Wesker and Umbrella more generally, where 
a lot i think a lot of this a lot of stuff the show has to say about good and evil and like power and abuse is that like bad things happen when like good things are taken too far or done improperly. Like they're having a lot of conversations about like these people think or at least tell themselves they're making the world better. Everyone keeps talking about like, I'm just trying to fix shit. I'm just trying to make stuff better for everyone, but it keeps making things worse in the long run. And the question of like, is your overweening ambition to try to like fix everything more of a problem than it is helping is like a a discussion I want to have a lot. And they kind of cast umbrella and like, I think by that sort of corporate and like sort of corporate power in general as being a failure to like properly mitigate like one's desires to do good or at least like to weed out people who like lie to themselves about doing good when actually they're being selfish. And which that that's one of the things that makes this really different from every Resident Evil property because Resident Evil in general is not having that conversation. It's not talking about like what is what is evil but like good gone bad. Previous Resident Evil is like what is evil but a bunch of greedy shitheads trying to do eugenics. Yeah, it, and it it kind of does that critique of Umbrella, but then it contrasts that with Jade in this way that just doesn't add up because Jade is like trying to like is unambiguously trying to help people and other characters show up and they're like, it's selfish because you because your family is some of the people you would help. And it's like, that seems wildly unfair. And then it does kind of undercut this idea of like that this is all profit power eugenic stuff because like it humanizes. It's doing this thing where like it wants to humanize Wesker. So it creates Evelyn as this evil corporate stooge stand in for the company. But like that doesn't work when you have two stand ins for the company and one of them is nice. <laughs> Well, but that's what they're trying to do, though. They're trying to like he's like the she's like the bad one and he's like the good one. Wesker is unambiguously a good guy in this show. Except for like weird slices where he's not. But that's like other weird stuff towards the end of this. Again, he loves it, it gets really How weird. Get at the end of the season. I don't all- know what his deal is, but I know he loves blood. And that's a save the cat moment for me. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, And so like. I, they're just having a different conversation about good and evil looks like. All right. So here's the thing that res, in the Resident Evil games, what they like to do is those games, all the narratives are premised thusly. There's some sort of relatively naive outsider, usually in like law enforcement or like rescue services or something or just like a helper like by nature. And they don't yeah, know a what's cop, good. a helpful cop yeah. or like a sister who's trying to find somebody. There are the cops have an interesting complex place in Resident Evil lore, but uh there's always some kind of like ostensibly helpful like person who's sort of outside of the whole situation who over the course of the game, you see how deep the rot goes, right? Like everything keeps getting peeled back further and further. And you see like how corrupt everything is, like how much these this like corporation who is just like uncomplicatedly cruel and vile has like taken over and infested all this stuff. That's how that's how Resident Evil games always tell their stories. This is different in that it shows you behind the scenes of the corporation, which is that's a thing they've never done before because Resident Evil hasn't cared. They don't care about like why Umbrella or Tricell or whoever is doing the things they're doing, except in as much as to show like how the villains are like enacting their plans or whatever. But we don't we're not given like a private look into like 
how difficult it can be to be a member of Umbrella Corporation. The games do not give a shit about that at all. They care about how hard it is to be someone affected by Umbrella Corporation's like malfeasance and how much it sucks to be like a person in Raccoon City like killed by a zombie or whatever. So they're taking a very different tack, both in terms of how they conceptualize the evil of like corporations and like fascism, racism, eugenics, uh, and like instead talking about like sort of the problems of corporatism in a more like I guess I don't want to say sanitized, but less like uh, neutrally charged in a more neutrally charged way in this show, which is like they're having a different conversation. It's kind of interesting, but I feel like it lacks some of the teeth, even as dumb as the Resident Evil games are. They like especially during like the Resident Evil 6 ish era where everything was maximally stupid and people were doing backflips all the time. And I, you know fun to me but uh they were still trying to have like a conversation about like abuse of power and corruption and stuff that was not they weren't trying to rehabilitate anybody who was doing these evil things and this show is at least trying to like complicate their like these people and their relationship to power yeah and that's sort of the problem is that like it's it's doing the thing you're describing where it is like showing the peeling back layers of rod of this horrible evil company by way of like evelyn and evelyn you know shooting her son all that stuff but like it also is having Wesker be like, but maybe it's okay, right? Like, we could think about this a little bit. And it's trying to complicate that question when it's like, it's the same thing as, it's the same thing as the Jade thing where they're like trying to add ambiguity, but one side of the case is just so obviously the way shit is that well, instead of being it, ambiguous, it's, it's just silly. And I think that to a certain extent, what Forrest is is like critiquing is a little bit of that might be the difference between like a, what a video game can truly delve and cover versus like a, a TV show that has to really expand and investigate all parts of the world and like fill them with characters rather than like make them non-character like faceless elite um but also i would say that like i don't know i feel like it is probably more nuanced to be like oh it's probably not that there's a shit ton of people that are pure evil but that like we fall into these structures that like allow us to be evil it's probably in my opinion a more interesting take than there's just uniquely bad people that will destroy the earth for no reason um so i i kind of like that stuff I mean, yeah, and it is different in that, like, the games are all structured to be like an action movie, which is a very different, like, sort of storytelling medium than a binge TV show made in 2022, certainly. Uh, I think that does get complicated when it comes to Resident Evil and its relationship to eugenics and colonialism, which somehow the one of the dumbest game series of all times has a lot to say about eugenics and colonialism, especially by way of Albert Wesker. Here's where I'm going to get into my into my uh, contentious take. <laughs> now, the character of Albert Wesker for the can I get it? Can I get yeah. it like a right. hold on? Yeah. Hold on. Wait, let, me, let, me, let me play. Let me play. Let me play some music. I'm holding. We're getting ready for this. We got to do this for real. Oh, Okay. All right. All right. So this is this is a take that a lot of people might get uh, upset with regarding Albert Wesker, but I'm going to preface this first. We're going to explain who Albert Wesker is in the games, which, as we established, these this mo- this show is a sequel to all the games. All the things that happened in those games happened before the show happened. All the stuff, which complicates some things. Don't worry about that. Um, Albert Wesker was created via an, a eugenics program made by a bunch of ancient white guys, British guys in particular, 
a bunch of old white British guys, especially this guy, uh, Oswell Spencer, which is not to be confused with Marcus, James Marcus, who is Evelyn Marcus's dad. Don't worry about that. Uh, they made a program to make the perfect life form. They wanted to make the smartest, best, fastest, coolest, like most powerful genetic overman, like overlord man they could possibly make. And Albert Wesker was like the apotheosis of this program. All right. He is a fucking eugenics project. He is a eugenics project made by a bunch of old, rich, British white guys. Sorry, did All we right? get to the part where you're canceled? I, 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 oh, I, it'll happen soon. Oh, uh, okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. So Wesker himself is like a supremacist of one. He's like, I am the best life form. I deserve to be a god. He seeks to be a god and have dominion over the entire world and everything. In Resident Evil 5, his plan is to release a thing into the air that will kill everyone who's not genetically superior and leave only the genetically superior people alive and with greater powers. He is outright doing a eugenics. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's all about. He's all about genetic superiority for him and himself. The thing about Albert Wesker is that he is a stand-in for eugenics and colonialism. He's literally like going to Africa and like murdering people there to in get Resident like the Evil stuff 5. he needs. In five, yes, fraught as it is, Re Wesker in these games is outright shown to be the product of eugenics projects and a eugenicist himself. Mm -hmm. This is like tantamount to being a Nazi, right? He is like as close as you can get to being a Nazi without saying Nazi outright. And the only reason he's not a Nazi is because he thinks that other white people are also inferior to him. So was Lance Reddick at the Capitol on January 6th? <laughs> and so this show recontextualizes that character from those games as being Lance Reddick the entire time. That guy was always Lance Reddick. And you might say, well, that's a little bit weird to have to have like the stand in the avatar of eugenics and basically a Nazi to be played by like uh, black actor Lance Reddick. Well, here's here's the quote. Here, I have a quote for you from Andrew Dabb, the showrunner for the show. All right. His name is Andrew Dabb. Andrew Dabb. D-A-B-B. Oh, oh Andrew Dabb on him. He says this about the fact that Wesker is a eugenics project and a eugenicist himself. The most genetic diversity is not found in northern European populations. Let's just put it that way. This is still this character, but we are going to be bound by, I would argue, a somewhat old-fashioned view of this, and a view that is somewhat supported by the games, but not always. Because in the games, what matters is your DNA. What matters is on the inside, not the outside. Certainly, our Wesker gene edits his children to make them more perfect. It's a theme of the game, and it's something we're not leaning away from. But at the same time, we weren't going to let, I would argue, probably too specific definition or a definition we are bringing a certain amount of culture baggage to that maybe isn't 100% supported uh, if you really dig down into the games. TLDR, uh, I love a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's further quote here. Uh, I think we should probably not assume all eugenics equal Ubermensch, because I think that's a very specific reading of history. There are eugenics movements in every single culture and ethnic group around the world. I think we need to be a little more global in our thinking about that, which is yeah. a way to say basically, oh I don't think the character, God, the OG Dad. character Wesker in our show is eugenicist, but he wants to create the perfect human. The perfect human probably does not look like the Ubermensch type if you just look at genetics as a science. What the fuck are you talking about? Right. Wait, so you're canceling him. This isn't a <laughs> 
you getting canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's, Forrest, that's, it's a Forrest gets canceled because Forrest thinks they shouldn't have cast a black guy as the star of the show. But Andrew Dad gets canceled for explaining in crazy terms why they cast a black guy as the star of the yeah, show. His yes, Andrew Dad is saying, well, yes, they he was part of a eugenics prob- program to make the perfect Ubermensch, but they weren't being racist about it. Yeah, Griffin, how can you be disappointed? This is a double cancel. <laughs> this, so, yeah, I do think that, like... That's it, the dab sound effect? I guess so. <laughs> I do think it's, it's a disservice to to cast Reddick as Wesker in this fashion. Like, Wesker is a very particular guy. He represents a very particular thing. And I think, like, to cast a black man in that role takes away the teeth of this critique of white supremacy, of colonialism, and of eugenics. Like, and didn't I, you also say that like they'd make him a good guy? Uh, well, uh, all right, spoilers. It's not the same guy. Oh, 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 oh. So, so this is not even a, even a cancel. Well, I'm it sorry. Is, it is the same but guy, it's, but it's also not the same guy. But the guy who was the same guy does come back later in the show and is yes. Lance Reddick. Yeah, because we see there's clones. Up, yeah. Yeah, we see straight up that Wesker in Resident Evil 5 was Lance Reddick the whole time now. Okay, this is great. I'm excited to watch all that. Um, Um, But the the other thing that's really funny with the quote that you read for us is that the basic argument Andrew Dabb is making is that, well, if someone were doing a good faith eugenics, a good faith eugenics, it would look like this. But it's like, that's not the point, right? Eugenics is never done in good faith. It's always to put forward a cultural ideal. And so, like, this guy's like, well, if someone were to do eugenics and take it totally seriously, if someone were doing unproblematic eugenics, they'd right? get Lance Reddick, is, like, the argument that this guy is making, which is yeah. banana phones. Yeah, he's like, given that there could be a best human possible genetically, like, no, you don't this- need to give him that. The well, Andrew eugenic- Dab is asking the question, what if Hitler had a few nice clones? <laughs> that, yeah, so to me, this is oh, like... That's actually... Ch- actually that's yes, actually... Charlie yes. Chaplin. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin was the good Hitler clone. That, you're like, that's like a one-to-one to the show. Well, then, I, this is a message that a lot of people, I think, would resonate with. <laughs> it, yeah, it's wild to me from just to be like, I mean, eugenics doesn't have to be racist. I'm like, no, I kind of think it does actually <laughs> it's like at first when we talked about this i was like i think the only problem here is that they're defaying the colonialism argument and making it a strictly capitalism argument about the way that you get like subsumed by the corporation that's what happened to lance reddick but then when the clone shit comes into play it just becomes like what are we doing here the mm-hmm. the episode seven and eight like it busts out the clones it busts out the giant crocodile and then they have like the WMD meeting about are we gonna use the big crocodile like it gets <laughs> so crazy at the end in a way that is not really earned by the show and it's trying to pair these increasing twenty thirty six nonsense stakes to these like earlier emotional stakes that just do not land right and so by oh, the yeah. end you're sort of watching. You're watching these like big action sequences and then they flash back to be like, here's why you give a shit. And then they give here's why you give a shit scenes are like as good as they could be, but they can never possibly do enough work to make up for how gibberish the future stuff is. Um, yeah, and I'm saying I, this is someone who like objectively loves the idea of giant, con- uh, giant crocodile. Yeah. And it feels really Netflixy of like, oh, there's so many questions. Don't you have questions? It'll be answered next season on Netflix's Resident Evil. Well, you could answer them now with another episode. No? Okay, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, and um, I guess my my final thought on the show is that, well, like, 
why can't Resident Evil be creepy and spooky? Why is everyone going for this like action packed, like walking dead, like seen it before style? Why don't you take the budget you have and craft something smaller, spookier and more haunting? Like I just I feel like some of the Resident Evil games aren't like action blasters. And those are my favorite ones. Um, and I just don't know why we keep on doing action that we can't afford and that we can't execute. Griffin, that's just a, execute what you can do. That's a fantastic point. And I'm gonna, I wanna talk for a second to expound on that, which is that in the games of Resident Evil, the zombies aren't zombies, all right? They're like not the real threat ever, and neither are even really the monsters. They're like a stand-in for corporate failures and for like, like apathy or inability to prevent like fallout from things right they're like an oil spill and this and i think that this show is taking too many pages from the movies the because you shouldn't take pages from those movies you sorry you just shouldn't like in none of the games ever does umbrella release like zombies and just make the whole world zombie like in this in this show like the whole world zombie in the future right there's always like singular outbreaks in like cities or villages yeah and then they cover it up they do so like Umbrella lives in our world. And the point is, like, our world is full of these, like, pockets of, like, of, like, corruption and rot just ready to pop out at any time. Like, it's all underneath the surface, like a sewer system, but it's not, like, the world's not covered in sewage, right? Like, it's about revealing this, that the sewage lies beneath, whereas in the future stuff in that show, it's all there everywhere. Like, it's just like, oh, everyone just knows that it's every zombies now. How did Umbrella recover from this is, I don't know. They... <sighs> So, yes, they're doing a very different thing, right? It's like actually running from zombie stuff instead of like, why, what the hell are zombies? Why are there zombies here? What lies around the corner? Like the games rely a lot more on like what lies around this corner, both in terms of is there a monster? I don't have the resources to fight. And also like what lies around this corner, like informationally and narratively, like what more, what next horrible realization am I going to make about the people and structures I've trusted previously? And it's it's very funny because the the most recent attempt to sort of capture that part of Resident Evil was Return to Raccoon City or whatever, the really shitty live action reboot. <laughs> and that movie is a catastrophe. It's like, piss all the way down. Yeah. There's such a way to make, you know, something where like, oh, this season they're in a village. This season they're in a city. This season they're in an area like I just feel like. They need to just contain it and focus it more. <laughs> well, but, uh, Jason, to do that, what you'd need is a rotating cast of characters who each can go do different things of different types, depending on which engagement and storytelling style you want to have for that particular item, which I don't know. I mean, Resident Evil's never had that before, right? Yeah, <laughs> I I don't I don't know, because I actually have never played any of the games. I just jerk off to the ladies on the covers. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the zombie the, ones. Netflix will <laughs> yeah. not. The idea of Netflix doing a show where, like, the cast rotates and it does something as ambitious as what we're describing, which seems, like, pretty doable, would probably be fairly popular. It's like, that would never happen. No. Mm. Well, that was Resident Evil and Cancel Corner. Let's ride this airplane to an ad. Oh, damn. Griffin's losing it over there. (laughs) Okay. uh, Anchor.fm. Let's talk about it. Okay, uh, guys, it's the last 10 minutes where we talk about video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 15 Holy minutes. Shit. 
uh man you know what's like what's trending that that stray game that cat game um it's i you know i knew it would be you know popular it has a niche it has a very specific thing people like cats but i I didn't know it would be number two trending on twitter like this is like goose game levels of hype over an indie animal game and here's what i'll say out of the gate it's not gonna hold a fucking candle to goose game not in fucking hell no way no way well i can say porky's been playing it roommate porky uh they love it that's the most predictable outcome and not really a barometer of quality in any meaningful way that that goose could kill that cat (laughs) i've been looking for this game for a while because it looks interesting and weird and i love a kitty cat i love a kitty cat you're probably right about goose game though because that's one of the greatest games of all time so it's not necessarily an insult to stray if it's not up to the the level of untitled right. goose game. I shouldn't be pitting these animals against each other. That's something that football players do. <laughs> yeah, That's on the true. soccer pitch. Yeah, they love to make animals play sports <laughs> against each other. <laughs> Um, During halftime, that's, it seems like a seems like a victimless victimless crime to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but you know what? The law's the law. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, now all of these animals have bonds and friendships. Oh no. Oh, the cat uh, and the goose are friends now. Uh, but then you're gonna get the cat and the goose killing you instead of each other. That's the uh, thing you gotta worry about. T- sorry, you're under arrest for making these six dogs play soccer. Um, <laughs> you gave them little jerseys, and they've been playing. They've been doing a great job and sorry it's 10 years in jail i come into a, I come into uh like a a, a dog uh, adoption center with like full face tattoos and i'm like looking at all the pit bulls and just tossing them a soccer ball <laughs> you're like so who has the best dribble i <laughs> got the best yeah who's got the best who's a team player <laughs> yeah you bring it you bring 11 dogs out and you throw a ball up you're like keep it off the ground <laughs> there's a hacky sack and that shit around um but yeah I, so the game looked good yeah, Porky likes it. I'm probably going to play it later today because uh, you can get it on the PlayStation Plus thing. Wait, what? If you have play- high, if you-, it, you have to have high level PlayStation Plus. Yeah, you have Plus. to have like premium premium or whatever. Oh, like, I don't it's have like premium f- premium. Yeah, yeah right. you get the fourth level. It's, it's, you, it's you the watering down it. of the PlayStation yeah. Plus brand. I used to have to just look... What's PS Plus this month? And now I have to be like, well, what tier and what bullshit? And half the websites don't have the right information. It's a terrible the, new world. The, the, the version you're probably on is just the same as it ever was, basically. They just added on like you can get Xbox it's, whatever service no, now. It's not it's not the same for one big reason, because they used to put good games on there. Now those <laughs> games go to the higher tiers and they give you absolutely jack shit. You know, like the two games that you didn't care about, but you added to your library. Those are the only things you're getting for the base PS Plus price. Now that's the thing, like those premier titles, that shit's, that shit's like 20, 20 plus bucks a month. Well, they want to make you buy their higher version of it so you can play straight without having to like buy it on in a store or whatever, so... Look I, at him. You're rationalizing uh, a colonialist hey, genocide. I was telling you what their motivation <laughs> that's, is. That's, I didn't tell you should do PS it or not. Plus is, Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, have either of you guys been playing? I've been playing a new game this week. Go for it. I've been playing Neon White. I finally got it to download. Um, it is so fun. And the fact that it's only 25 bucks is exactly correct. 
Um, if it were more than 25 bucks, it would not be worth it because it's fairly shallow in a lot of ways. But all it is are these like speed run first person platformer levels where you pick up cards and the cards give you a weapon, but you can discard the cards to get a special to use a special ability once. So like you can decide like, you know, you use an Uzi and then right before it runs out, you can turn into a bomb or use a pistol right before it runs out, it becomes a double jump or whatever. And it's just all about managing that resource and flipping between stuff and like moving through these levels as quickly as possible and fighting these little monsters. Um, And it is a fucking blast. It's so fun. Each level is like, you know, at at least as far as I'm into it, like maybe one to four minutes. Um, So you can just sit down and like play for half an hour, make a little progress, take a little break. And then all the character designs are really funny. Like there's it's weird and strange and the world it's in is goofy. It's like like Mirror's Edge, right? Kind of. But Mirror's Edge, you have a little bit more. It's a little bit more sort of like geography to Mirror's Edge. Um and this is very like this is goofy like it's intentionally pretty goofy in like its tone and style like you're playing as like a dead guy who's you know working to uh help you know collect or kill demons uh and you know escape from hell or whatever or like not go to hell or something and you have these people you know who all also have demon masks and they all like very anime personalities and in heaven all the angels are kitty cats and it's silly and goofy and it's fun and I it's a big it's a big recommend for me as far as a game just play where you're like killing a little bit of time. So that's how I feel about Neon White. What if you want to kill a lot of time? Uh, I think you could do it. I just haven't had a lot of time to kill. You couldn't kill a lot of time if it was sitting in front of you, Lux. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't we'll know see. what to do with it. <laughs> you would you would only partially decapitate time, and someone would have to <laughs> clean up your mess. <laughs> yeah i would really uh yukio mishima that time <laughs> uh yeah that's that's like you know i have this it's fucked up because like when a game's 25 dollars, i'm looking at it and i'm like that shit's gonna break that's gonna be like nine dollars soon like like it's almost like when they don't hold the high price tier like i know they're gonna falter sooner which makes me feel like i'll, I'll play neon white for like 12 dollars soon yeah, well, I mean, I think it came out at 25 bucks. Right, exactly. So I'm like, when I see games that are priced that way. I, oh, okay, uh, I, see, I see what you mean. Yeah, I you smell you, blood yeah. in the water. I'm circling I'm circling the uh, the frozen ice sheets with the penguins, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that's cool. I've been playing a lot more uh, Star Wars MMO, uh, The Old Republic. Um, my review is pretty much still the same. It's like a hundred plus hour KOTOR 3, like a modern KOTOR 3 that's just kind of hiding in plain sight that no one knows about. <laughs> um, it's a total blast. I'm playing a sort of CIA Sith Imperial guy who's slightly overweight. That's uh, a good storyline. And uh, yeah, it's just an absolute blast. It's free to play. I really re- recommend it to anyone if they're looking for a little filler before some bigger games come out at the end of the year. Do you know, Griffin, I've played through all the storylines of the core game of that game and some degree of the of the expansions i agree with your take yeah tell me more uh the the multiplayer version of playing through the storylines and of like the core game especially is actually really fun like that like like duoing it or whatever is really cool because you get to be in each other's cutscenes and stuff i think it's actually a really good like one to four player like kind of pve co-op game but then you get the later expansions and they kind of like undo a bunch of that stuff and they try to make it more like a standard MMO. So yeah, <laughs> that's it, my question about it is like right now it's such an individual story experience. Like 
when you get to the expansions, does everyone go on the same story after that? Like, does your class story end after like a base amount of levels? Yes. Uh, okay. Cause I was like, there's no way that they can keep this going. Like there's like eight different. And like, so my other big question is like, uh, I started a Sith warrior and I played for a few hours, but then I switched to the Sith Imperial and I liked that one way more. Uh, what is the quality level over the eight stories? Everyone recommends Imperial Agent as the best one, but yeah, the best are there other Yeah, but like are there other ones worth checking out? Um they so I think what they're trying to do with them is make there be like different flavors of Star Wars, right? Like the Imperial Agent is like super intriguing. And by the way, my Imperial Agent I made is a gray Ratataki, one of the gray guys, and he's like a big round guy. Uh so I, I agree with you making a big roundman to do the, the agent stuff. Uh Bounty Hunter's okay. Like they try to do different like said, different kind of stories, right? So like the Siths will have real like you're uh, using ancient powers to try to gain might in this sort of like fantasy sort of setting and like jedi are real like original maybe like prequel style like oh look we're trying to preserve the republic and we must learn secrets and things uh your smugglers is kind of like caught up in like a like a noir he didn't sign up for or whatever uh and your trooper is real just like hello i am a trooper from star wars uh it there, there are varying qualities. I think they're all kind of interesting, but yeah, some of them, especially the, the Jedi and Sith ones, are to some degree kind of samey. I think the Sith, I think overall the Empire stories are better, which is funny because like you'd clearly rather live in the Republic than the Empire, where everyone's gonna shoot you with lightning and like, kill you instantly. Right. Yeah, but like the environments, I, I've at least heard are way better on the Sith storyline and stuff. And, and I'm just curious to see how it all kind of comes together because I haven't done instances or like raids yet. But like, you know, even if it d turns out to be like not a full filling end game experience, it's still a free KOTOR game. Yeah, it's not bad. If, if you're looking for like that kind of flavor, it I mean, a, a KOTOR game is going to be better for the experience of playing through a single player KOTOR game. But this is like a pretty good methadone. Word. Speaking of uh, MMOs, Forrest and I have started playing FF14 on Pixel Goblins. Oh, boy. It's it started up. It Let's finally talk. happened. I can't believe we, we have. He, you you purposely did this. You waited to the last five minutes. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little stinker. <laughs> <laughs> with my stinky little plans but um yeah it's uh it's really fun man um it sucks how much annoying stuff you have to do to get to do anything a lot of the time but the parts where you do things are very fun and the characters you meet while doing things are very fun but the amount of sort of like kajiggering involved is a little bit annoying but that's fine for me for two reasons. One is that I'll put up with it because the game is fun to play. And two is that Forrest likes doing that kind of shit. So when we're off stream, he's just going to do that shit for the character anyway. So I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, you just go from story to story. Yeah, yeah. like every every MMO, like that starter day or two is definitely like a day where you're like kind of like getting all the kinks out of your ride. You're like, oh, well, you're like adjusting your mirrors and you're like, you're <laughs> like, oh, this is kind of sticky. And like, you know, like you're kind of you're cleaning up the UI in a way that makes sense for you. And like, once you get rolling on that and you, and you start to get into more of the story stuff, I think you're going to be in a nice flow state. Um, but yeah, I think the start of MMOs, like MMOs always struggle with that. I think it's like the worst part of the genre is, is like it, it, for people who only play regular video games, it can be so jarring and just like way too much. So MMOs should really, try to focus more on those first 10 I think, hours. 
I think this is why I'm so into JRPGs is because so many JRPGs start with like some totally insane bullshit that they let you do for like 30 minutes. And then they're like, now sit through a hundred years of nonsense, but I've already gotten a taste. You know, I'm <laughs> like the first dose is free. Like I got my little, my little snifter of fucking, you know, persona stuff. So sure. now I'm ready to sit through a shitload of cutscenes scenes. We're going to get persona five and get into it. Whereas MMOs just don't give me that. Yeah. Also, just so you know, Griffin, you're streaming your email uh, in Discord. Oh, perfect. Okay, you can ask me. <laughs> These are my AMC tickets oh, for there Nope. You go. Oh, nice. Uh, I just got my Alamo tickets for Nope. I, I think it's kind of funny also that, like, Final Fantasy XIV in particular really believes that if you're starting to play Final Fantasy XIV for the first time, you've, like, never touched a computer in your life. You don't know what anything is. So, like, okay, in video games, you can interact with, NP- with non-player characters and things can happen. Like, so many tooltips are like, did you know you got a sword? And it's like, I, okay, I mean, thank you for helping like my grandma right. play Final Fantasy yeah, I guess it's like, yeah. the tooltips that do exist are overwhelming and, and unhelpful in other ways so yeah like those first 10 hours is something that like games like World of Warcraft have like redesigned over and over again like the first 10 hours and I think that they're actually in a really good spot with it um, Star Wars The Old Republic is in a terrible spot with it and insanely <laughs> confusingly built um, and so yeah like I think that's a, a big problem but um I am interested interested to see if you play enough of uh, A Realm Reborn to really get to those story hooks um, and see if it keeps pulling you through. Uh, but you're also playing on console, and I think that that is probably the, the worst way to play an MMO. Probably, but hey, living my life, baby. I've only ever played Final Fantasy XIV on console, and I would not play with keyboard and mouse if you let me. Well, I play with controller on PC. The 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 added benefit there is like it's easier to clean up user interface and navigate menus with a mouse than it is with the controller. Oh yeah, I just plug in a mouse when I want to do all that stuff on the PlayStation. Based. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on that note, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up for today. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Forrest, do you want to plug anything at all before we yeah. call it a day? I- I want to plug our stream, twitch.tv slash pixelgoblins, where we stream every Monday and Wednesday. Wednesdays, we're doing Final Fantasy right now. Mondays, we do tactics RPGs for our tactical genius. Uh, we stream in the evenings, 8.30 p.m. Central on Wednesdays and about 10 p.m. Central on Mondays. Join us. Watch us. Uh You know, do all the things you do with streaming because we are, if you like this flavor of me and Lux, uh, just talking about high-minded shit and then like fart jokes or whatever. That's it, baby. Come and come and watch us backseat drive Lux on Fall Fantasy. And sometimes we've even tried to get Griffin to come on the stream, and one time it worked, but then he got distracted by a WoW raid and left. It, it, I was I can't uh, I was in a Discord with twenty five people, and then in a Discord <laughs> with nine people with poor microphones or no microphones. And I, I'm sorry, I just can't do the no microphone thing anymore. Well, if, time, you're, if you're on a stream, get a fucking mic. Well, sometime we'll do an episode. Maybe you can come on the next Final Fantasy episode on Wednesday or something, and you can uh, hang out with us while we play. Oh, is that tomorrow? Yeah. I might be interested. Uh, All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Later, everyone. Goodbye. Oh, this part with Eminem. Where's Eminem at? Yo, Eminem needs to come back for Trump, too. (laughs) You know, Eminem sold 55 million more records than Drake. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's fucked up. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs>